Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, this is Grindstone Adventures episode 26. Today I have with me from Michigan and the owner and operator of the Red Outdoors, Chris, I, I would attempt your last name but I would butcher it, so <laughs> how are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good Zach, I appreciate you having me on man. Yeah, no problem, I appreciate you coming on dude, I, I like to get anybody and everybody on, you know, outdoors, it's a passion that I feel like everybody should share. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I, I gotta ask, like, you know, I asked uh, the 605 outdoor guys from uh, North Dakota, or no, they were from South Dakota, what what was behind their name? Um, I didn't have to ask Chris from Cincinnati that <coughs> his is Wheeler, or Wheels Up Outdoors, or something similar to that, so I, I understood where that one came from, as his last name, yeah. um, but what, what what's behind yours? So mine has kind of a shared meaning. Um, the more obvious one, just being a hunter, obviously we're into the, the blood trails and the red arrows. So that's something that's always, you know, that you're always thinking about when it, when it pertains to hunting. Um, right. but I was also a 10 year Navy vet. So the red, I don't know if you're familiar, but they have, uh, the acronym red, um, for remember everyone deployed Yep. yep. and there's wear red on Friday. So it just shares a double meaning for me. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I try and do my best to support the troops and stuff, um, but I definitely like the idea of, uh, you know, having dual meaning there, especially, you know, everybody likes blood trails. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, um, my, my inspiration for my name came from Tyler Childers, to be honest with you. Okay. Have you I don't know if you've listened to him or not. I don't, I don't think I'm familiar with him. He's a folk country singer, kind of like Flatland country singer. He's out of uh, eastern Kentucky. Um, okay. He, he got real big, and then he kind of, like, he took himself out of the scene for a little bit because of some family things. I think he got married, and he just didn't like the spotlight very much. Um, but he's got a song. It's called Nose of the Grindstone, and it clicked with me. It was a song that I, I connected with, and I was like, man, that, that, that hits home. I need to put my nose down and get after it so that, yeah, that's like where the that. name came from i like that a lot that's that's kind of how i tried to set the logo up put a deer skull's nose on a grindstone because i'm no your logo i think is is perfect i mean i looked at it and you know just i, I feel like some people's logos are a little convoluted a little messy and it's hard to kind of make out what it is i think the more simple you keep it and the, the easier it is to read from a distance you know, it's just something you can you can use a little bit more. You know, put mm -hmm. it on a t-shirt, on a hat, people recognize it. Right. So I, I yeah. dig it. I think it's cool. It does look pretty cool on some shirts. I, I've got it. I should have another order, and I need to. <laughs> that reminds me. I need to get back with my guy, see if he's got the material in, because I was. He's got a lot of people, and I was on the wait list, um, which is fine. I'm not in any rush to get anything, but. Sure. I have a, I have a touch base with him. I forgot to. But yeah, I've got hats and stuff made. The camo hats came out pretty good, but I'm thinking my black flap backs or snapbacks are going to come out even better because you'll be able to see everything because the the camos like break up a country mossy oak. So it oh, Okay. So if it's like the lettering's not set correctly and it, it they're different colors, it's going to yeah, be hard to read. Yeah, you get that contrast right so you can read it. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so that that stuff does look pretty cool from a distance, you know. I, I really like the name of it, but that, that's enough about me. We're not here to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, man, brag a little bit. Uh, 
How long have you been hunting? Honestly, I've been bow hunting since I was probably 10 or 11. I don't know the exact age. Uh, we went through, I have four brothers. We all went through hunter safety course pretty young. And my dad, um, I want to say him and one of my, my dad's cousins, so my second cousin, were the, the first ones in our family to really get into bow hunting seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, their fathers, they would do like the annual hunting trip. You know, they go out, but it was more of a glorified drinking from what I, I got, you know, gathering. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of guys going out, they drink when they're in camp, and then they go out with, you know, their rifles. I don't remember hearing any big stories about any deer or anything, really. Yeah. And then uh, my cousin picked up a bow, got my dad's interest in it, and they kind of just went off on their own. And it's been kind of a learning process with our family since then, you know, bringing up me and my brothers into it and... We started out with real simple bows, uh, no sights. Everything was kind of, you know, instinctual. Mm-hmm. Off and the air then, type uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of developed from there. So we're all super passionate about it, but by no means any of us, any kind of, you know, professional level or anything. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I get all that. You know, I come from similar upbringing, so I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I've only really been bow hunting hard for like the last four years though since I was in college to like I picked it up even more once I got out of college in 2019 but yeah so how long has uh, the Red Outdoors been a thing? Uh, I think I'm, I'm coming up right on my year anniversary for coming up with the name and getting it started uh, it's been something I've been wanting to do for a while I've been making videos for the group just as a way to kind of you know memorialize the you know the trip and have something that we can look back on and share later and then uh i don't know i just got really interested in in filming it and wanting to try to get some kills on camera and mm-hmm. you know getting a little artsy with it and and getting inspiration from some of the shows i was watching on youtube and i'm like man i like how they're able to get these views and this angle and i want to try this right, it, right. My, my wife is extremely supportive and um luckily enough um we're blessed she does very well with the business that she runs here at home and i've been able to be a stay-at-home dad for the last year and she's just been encouraging me since the day i've been home to you know get into the thing that i love and i'm passionate about and make it something so that's, that's awesome. what i've been trying to do that's awesome man yeah self-film is not too easy is it absolutely not <laughs> i i give props to every single video i see whether it's with the cell phone or they're running a high you know, high dollar DSLR. Um, it, it's by no means easy to anticipate the frame up and you know where they're going to come from and still get it on in time. Cause you can't just leave it on and stand by the entire time. You, you'll kill your batteries, right. as you know. You know, so you you have to be ready and prepared. So last year, for me to be able to get both of my kills on camera, just absolutely stoked about that. That was a <laughs> great way to start, and it set the bar really high. But you know, I'm hoping the quality continues to, you know, to get better, and uh, hopefully, I can I can put down my first buck with a bow because I've still yet to do that. I have not put a buck down with a compound, but it's an awesome feeling with a bow. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I saw your crossbow um, kill. That was a great deer. Actually, both my buck kills were crossbow. Uh, really? I have not killed a buck with a gun. Okay. Yeah, I never, I never rifle hunted for deer. It's always been bow. And like I said, for us being, um, I guess, kind of the their experiment group, you know, learning as we were going. Um, I didn't get super serious with 
bow hunting until I think my last year I was in the military. I bought another bow. I traded in my original one, got a nice set of camo. And uh, we started taking scent really serious where we hunt. It's all public land. Mm-hmm. So we were we were coming up empty a lot of years. Um, my dad and my cousin put down a decent amount of deer. But then my brothers and I got involved. We opened it up to some of our cousins. And uh, we started realizing if we could control our scent in some of these areas, the amount of deer we were seeing was just, it was unbelievable. There were people coming out seeing us pulling out our deer. And they were shocked. I've been hunting here 10 years and I've never I've never taken a deer. You know, so our first response is obviously like, well, what the hell are you doing hunting in an area you can't kill a deer? But then seeing them drive away and they're smoking in their vehicle and they still got their camo on, we run out to them and, you know, run into them out in town at a restaurant and they're still in full camo. Yep. So we yep. started doing the opposite of what we were seeing and we started seeing deer hit the ground a lot more, you know, yep. regularly. And uh, it's only progressed from there. I feel like we've gotten we've gotten pretty good and all we hunt is public land that's a that's a great accomplishment because i am lucky enough to have some uh, private property that i hunt down here until gun season then amish come in and hunt it also but uh i'm gonna get the full taste of uh the public land kicking the butt this year i've got a black bear hunt in pa i've got a buck tag in pa and i've got a deer tag in michigan so Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, and this is this is the honest to God's truth. If you're able to put down a deer, I don't care if it's a doe or a buck, with a bow on public land in Michigan, that is a serious accomplishment. These deer are skittish. They are used to people walking right through the woods. Um, it's not an easy task. So I, I, I would absolutely give you all the props in the world if you can put, it, put something down this year. I'm hoping I have some luck. I had some luck up in there. Uh, the end of May, um, I put down a Jake. So on the last day, second to last day of the, se- the turkey season up there. So I'm hoping I get some of that kind of luck up there. I mean, how how long have you lived in Michigan? You just grew, you grew up there? Yeah, I was okay. uh, actually born in North Carolina. My dad was a Marine. Uh, moved back here to Michigan. I think I was about a year old. So I grew up here um, all through school. All through school. Joined the military. Um, right before my 19th birthday and then spent 10 years you know bounced around different states while i was in and mm-hmm. then came back to michigan in 2013 um and you know obviously been here since but yeah that's that's when the the, the hunting got serious for me here was once once i got back home okay um so you know the turkey tags the ones that are private land permits only but it's not mm-hmm. i mean it's not like you know you're it's it's weird because it's not like private land down in Ohio, here in Ohio. It's kind of like right. public land, but it's certain areas that you can do it that people are letting you you go onto their property and use as public land. Really? That that's my understanding of it. It may be totally backwards. Um, I don't think I broke any laws. I'm almost positive I didn't break any laws. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't because the the property I. Uh, I killed my bird on there was one of these properties I mean you had to sign in on the piece of paper uh, right you know date time what you're after whatnot um, and state you came from and your address so okay. they can back check all that stuff and I was sitting on this tree line for like three days in a row just seeing yeah. all kinds of toms and jakes and hens in this field right next to it but it was someone's field that was not a part of this property so I want like the day before the last day of the season I was like you know what dude I'm just 
I'm just gonna go knock on the door and see if I can get permission because my buddy was with me he filmed everything so I went and knocked on the door and they gave us permission to go hunt the back corner of the field where we were seeing all the birds and we got in there we we smoked the Tom the next morning or uh, Jake the next morning at 30 yards and it it was like picture perfect we roosted them the night before so we knew where they were and so I mean I don't know does that type of tag you know which ones I'm talking about right mm-hmm. well I, is that okay so this was my first year turkey hunting as well I had a co- my cousin call me and uh, ask if I was interested and I was like yeah absolutely let's do this what do we do so right. I applied for the tag and then you have to submit um for what county or what area that you're gonna hunt mm-hmm. and then they provide a certain amount of tags for that and then they they do the drawing for it okay. if there's leftover tags you can buy the leftover tags but you're given a designated um, group of time and that area that you're hunting. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't I mean, have that, to... That's as far as I got with the tag. So that was a public land. Right. You know, I picked, picked the area that I was gonna hunt, the dates that I was gonna hunt. My tag was available, I went and picked it up. When we went and we chased, and we uh, we didn't do it, I'm assuming we didn't do it the right way because we weren't very successful. Um, but we drove around, we called from the vehicles, we looked over fields, we were glassing all over the place. And uh, we had a couple birds come in close, they'd call back, we'd lose them on the other side of a swamp. It was just close call after close call, we just couldn't make it happen. But next year we're gonna try to do what you, you know, what you mentioned um, you did that was successful is try to roost them the night before because once they're there, they're there. Right. And you know they have to come down. So you just got to be patient the next morning and that's that's what we got to do. We got to find some roosted birds. Yep. I, yeah. I struggled real hard because this was my first year turkey hunting also and for those first three days it was just me up there chasing the birds by myself. My buddy was still at work. <laughs> so then what I was doing, I mean, I bounced between five or six different properties in two different counties. Mm-hmm. And and what I would do is I would just walk out, um, and my goal, my tactic was to shock gobble, get them, make a loud sudden noise, get them to gobble, see where they were at, and then try right. to get up close and see if I could just work into their zone or their direction they were walking, and put myself in play. And I yeah. struggled with it. I got close a few times. That tree line was pretty dense. Uh, There's only pockets you could see through, so mm-hmm. I'd sit there with a push pull chirp box, yelp box. Okay. And I would sit there and I had a couple toms come up, strutting in and then they'd get to like 30 yards still on the other property. I just need them to cross that tree line and I can get a crack at them. But they would pull up and they would break off because at that point they're not seeing the hen that's supposed to be calling to them. So then they were leaving. Right. So what right. I would do is I would just sit on, before I went and asked that property owner for permission, I sat there for like three hours one day just watch these birds go into this one area of the field and I was like, that's where they're roosting. Okay. Went and asked permission, got permission. Came back out that evening, did an observational sit, saw three more hens go into the same spot. We pulled out early that night, so we didn't spook them when we get up. Right. And we got there an hour and a half before daylight, and we just let them work their nor- normal pattern, and it played out perfect. But I put three days all day long into getting to that spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> we did five days of running gunning. And uh, it was just, it was fun. It was an experience. I, I don't know what I was really expecting because mm-hmm. uh, we do have turkeys in an adjoining property to where we have our property up north. And we always assume like, okay, well, we could always go into that spot and those will be like our, our go-to birds. We know they're there. Let's go do, you know, the free chase. Let's go mm-hmm. find something random and let's make it happen. 
Right. Well, the day started, you know, chipping away, and we're like, okay, we might, uh, we might be pulling up a goose egg here. We got, we got to put something into play. So we set up on these birds that are in this property next to us. But I think these birds had become so accustomed to the, the birds that were in that area and in their group that when we called, it was almost like yelling at them to go the other way. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say that that was the case this year. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was a little frustrating, but it was extremely humbling, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. ready to give it an, another go next year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely things I want to you know do differently, but I I practice like crazy with a mouth call. I was in my subdivision picking my kids up from school, just going to town with this thing. I swear to God, the people in my subdivision thought we had, you know a whole group of turkeys running around <laughs> in our stuff because I was just going ham on this call at the bus stop. <laughs> hey, that's the way to do it, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to be the same way once I uh, got the funds to do it and stuff. I'm going to do an elk hunt. I'm going to be doing the same thing. Same thing. Oh, man. Oh, what a beautiful animal. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeez. yeah. That call, I don't think there's a better sound. And I, I've never heard him in person, but every time I hear it on camera, you just get chills. Like, it's oh, such yeah. a... a cool visceral like oh man just such a cool sound yep yep my buddy that actually filmed my turkey hunt he just got back from colorado him and his brother have two years in a row done over-the-counter tags up there and he didn't he hasn't gotten anything but this year he said i actually seen some elk he's like we've seen some mule deer so he's like it was a lot of fun um, and that's all it takes that's all it takes and i i think a lot of people that look at hunting and stuff they think that we're going out and we're seeing you know the animal of choice like all the time and that that's not the case i mean at least it hasn't been for me when we started early i went plenty of seasons without ever seeing a deer whether that was due to my scent my movement my inexperience mm-hmm. you know yep. and then that first time you put eyes on an animal you know that that rush that you get and that can take basically a crap season and just turn it into like the best memory ever for 15 seconds of putting an eye on an animal you right. know that's that close right my dad taught me at a very early age he said you know if you measure your success based on if you get a deer on the ground he's like you're gonna fail every year he's like yeah and you're measure, gonna hate it yeah he's you're like, gonna hate hunting measure your success did you see one today did you learn something <laughs> from them today if <clears> not then go back tomorrow and try and do something different and learn something a little new he's like if you did see them today congratulations you got closer than the average person probably would to get to a deer and I was Absolutely. Like, okay and i grew up with that mindset in my head so like now i'll be sitting in the woods you know i say i'm doing an observational sit i've got this great plan it falls apart i have to scramble and do something differently so now right. I'm, I'm in a different spot say the wind ruined the first spot i get i get down get to a new spot get set up i feel like i wasted time made too much noise i get in a stand i see 100 yards away a nice eight point or something like that working into a bedding area okay now i i just if i was in the other spot i may not have seen him he may not right. have went to where i was at but i seen him where i'm at now he's working that bedding area okay now i got an idea what to do tomorrow you know what i mean right and you you almost forget that in the process of you recognizing that that wind was bad and you making that adjustment that was something that you learned and you picked up from previous you know yes the hunt so in the frustration you're still continually growing mm-hmm. you know so you walk out frustrated but then you play it back and you go man that was a good call i got to see that eight point now i know what i want to do differently tomorrow or what i need to do exactly 
Yeah, so it is. It's a constant learning, and I, that's the one of the, one of the things that I absolutely love about hunting. It's 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 a constant challenge, and it's a constant learning process. Exactly. I think me and I think it was Chris Wheeler. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was me and him were saying the same thing. Like we just love how it's we're constantly learning things from it. Just yeah. never ending. Like if I ever feel like I have all the knowledge wrapped up and I know everything about deer hunting. I hope oh, my dad or my, yeah. I hope my dad or my <laughs> brother no come way. over and smack me in the mouth and be like, "Wake up!" Because <laughs> yeah. there's yeah. no way. Because if I feel like I got it all figured out on whitetail, then I'm not doing what I should be doing. No, not at all. Not at all. Not, I'm kind of look, looking forward to this it, challenge in public land because of that. Because I've got a good grasp of the farm I hunt in Ohio. Sure. So now I'm like, all right, I want to challenge myself more. I want to go out into a public land in a state I've never been on property I've never been and see what I can do. Yeah. The thing I'll tell you about Michigan public land hunting is you are not hunting the deer. Once you go on to public land, you are now hunting the people because they are everywhere. Crossbow hunters in plain clothes, no scent control. They'll walk every ORV trail, every two track, any deer trail that they see. And they will walk in right under your stand and they will blow your spot up in a heartbeat and don't care about it. So my biggest piece of advice I could give you would be just avoid the crowds. If you're going to do the research, obviously look for your your typical signs once you find an area you're into. Mm -hmm. But look for the vehicles. Look for the easy access and just avoid it at all costs. Don't be afraid to put in the extra legwork and get away from the people. And then that's going to be the that's going to be the ticket to your success. I promise. Yeah, I, I haven't scouted much on Onyx for Michigan yet. Um, be, reason being, um, I don't know that my tag is not valid for those same pr- private, you know, land tags I have turkey hunted on. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the regulation book about it. I should probably call a game warden before you guys open October first, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah and we I have the probably... early antler list coming this weekend. So when you called me the other day and. Uh, we're trying to, you know, talk about getting this all set up. That's what I was doing. I was trimming out my tree and, you know, oh, okay. doing my observations, sit and just kind of taking it in and playing it out in my head. Like, okay, if they're coming from this way, here's where I'm going to draw back. I'm not going to hit my elbow at full draw. I can turn. Here's my spot to pull back. You know, you're just playing through every scenario in your head so it doesn't feel like a surprise when it happens. Right. Even though that's completely inevitable. The thing that you didn't consider is absolutely what that deer is going to do, but... Right, ninety percent of it, I I played through my head, so I feel ready. <laughs> well, hopefully, I, you know, hopefully I see a picture this weekend. Uh, you got you got one, maybe two down. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah it would. It absolutely would be. It take a lot of pressure off to where I can sit back and really focus. You know, on on taking an, a nice buck this year. Yeah, yeah, that's my goal. Well, we open up uh, September twenty fourth, regular season. Um, okay, and. I know what I'm pulling cards tomorrow after work um, I may blow deer out for a few days but I'm willing that's why I'm gonna do it tomorrow and not later next week and then it, they'll have all week long to get used to it again and get settled before yeah. Saturday rolls around when I get in a blind um, but I'm gonna pull cards tomorrow last time I pulled cards I had three shooter bucks showing up every other day or every day just about at yeah. seven o'clock in the morning on the dot daylighting and then the does were coming in the evening. So I was like, if this works out like this, I'm going to be really focused on out of town very fast. But, I mean, yeah. I'm hoping to fill a lot of tags this year. Like, I hope I 
you know, I, I get my buck tag filled. I'm hoping I get my five doe tags filled. Um, I'm gonna have to work between two, two or three different counties to do it because there's only three deer limit in my county. Um, okay. But I'm also hoping to get the the deal done in Michigan. Uh, my goal is to get a buck in Michigan, but you know, end of the season comes down to it, or I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna be able to afford to drive up here because there's some things that's gonna be coming into play towards January for me with student teaching. Um, okay. Um, if it comes to that point and I haven't gotten a buck yet, I will shoot a, a doe in Michigan. In <clears> Pennsylvania, <throat> the, the the game's a little different. If I don't see a buck to shoot in Pennsylvania, I eat tag soup because you have to draw doe tags there. So okay, it's a buck only deal which i'm completely fine with um yeah if i don't get a buck then it is what it is i've got a black bear tag in pa um and i got two turkey tags because the deer the antler tag and your two turkey tags and your small game uh you know privileges they all come as one license for 100 bucks okay so i'm like well even if i don't get a a deer okay fine right. I may not get a black bear I'm expecting not to get to get a black bear I'm expecting to go learn a bunch and have a great time doing it yeah. I'm okay fine I can go I know there's people and I know I have a buddy that has a bunch of cattle pasture and I know turkeys are not afraid of going in cattle pastures I right. I could get in shoot a false fall turkey and then I can go back and I shoot a spring turkey over in PA and I make that hundred dollars worth it right there so I'm oh, not yeah. I'm not yeah. entirely worried about it. Plus I got a, a preference preference point in PA this year for an elk drawing. So Excellent. like I'm making most of it, but like that's my plan is to get a buck in all three states and do a trifecta this year. But at the end of the day, I'm out to shoot deer on camera and put some yeah. meat in my freezer because I really like eating deer. I'm with you on that one. My my boys love it. My daughter's at the age now where she knows a deer when I pull it up on camera and uh my wife's a big fan so uh, i'm with you the more meat i can have in the freezer the better um i, I was going to go back to a point that you made when you're talking about the, the turkey hunting you said that you went over to an adjoining property and asked the landowner if you could hunt that property and then got permission mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of people miss that opportunity and uh it's amazing what just going up and being transparent with what you're you what you're trying to do you know, and just being honest and genuine with certain people, how accommodating they'll be with their property. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time, if you see an area and it looks like, you know, it belongs to somebody or you can see the house, like, man, what, what do you got to lose? Go up there, knock on that door, ask. Yeah, the worst I, thing uh, I say is no. <laughs> this, is, this is a cool thing, too, for me. Last year, uh, the subdivision that I live in, we've got two ag fields um, that line our sub. And then there's this six, seven acre parcel of land that is, that butts up to that. And then on the other side of that is our kid's school property. So I don't want to give away too much because they're, you know, right. where we're at. Right. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I went up and I asked the church. I said, hey, um, I'm a bow hunter and I would like to hunt your property if that's okay. And at first they seemed a little standoffish about it. They weren't really, you know, taking the bait. And then I told them that, you know, outside of our sub, which I live in right on the other side of that ag field, I said, we've already had two deer hit this year. So complete waste. Um, I've counted 25 deer at any point in time in this ag field in this little tiny group of, you know, six, seven acres. 
I said, that's a lot of deer for this area, not to mention they're going to drop fawns this year. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what's your experience with these deer in this area? And she immediately changed her tone completely and was like, as much as people like looking at these deer and think of them as pets, they are an absolute nuisance. Every flower we plant, they eat almost immediately. We can't keep them out of the parking lot. They are crossing the street. Um, and then she started kind of, you know, opening up to the idea. And I told her, I said, if I was to take any deer on this property, you have my word that I will pay for processing myself. And I would like to donate the meat to somebody or some, you know, group of people in our uh, community, in our, you know, our little town. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I wish I could tell you yes right now. I have to get permission from our deacon, but I love that idea. I will get back with you. And I went weeks. I didn't hear anything. And I was on my way up to the area we hunt here in Michigan on public land for my, my annual week of hunting with my group. And she called me and said, our deacon approved it. Um, the area is mine. As long as no one else goes back there, I can put up the stands. I can put up cameras, whatever I got to do. And if I take a deer, just let them know. And if they need, if I need help facilitating, you know, where that meat goes, they'll be more than happy to help me. That's awesome. So that, those deer that I take in that video were both in this little tiny chunk of, you know, land that's right here in the middle of our town, right around the corner from where I live. And it's not my personal property. Mm-hmm. And, but I, but I asked and I got, you know, the opportunity to, to do what I did last year. And now this year I'm looking at a couple really, really nice bucks. And I have never, you know, for me, when I, when I see deer like this of that caliber on a camera, I'm, I'm freaking out because I've never seen deer like that, mm-hmm. you know, on public land. Right. So, but I mean, that just circles back to what you were saying. Like you, you knocked on the door, you asked like, man, don't hesitate. If anybody you know, wants to do that, you're not risking anything except for a no. Exactly. You know, don't go do it. You might be surprised. You ain't got nothing to be afraid of. Worcester's going to say is no. Yeah. Um, it is yeah. weird that you like brought brought it back to that because uh, I, actually I was watching. You ever heard of Seek One Productions? I have not. So they're bow hunters out of Atlanta, Georgia. They hunt suburbs and little subdivisions and I city limits. I promise you, I've seen that show before. I love the rural hunting. <laughs> and dude, they. I mean, they said I did. I have not opened it up or nothing like that yet. But they said in one of their older episodes they had a master class of what they say to go get permission to deer hunt all these people's backyards and their little plots of timber and stuff like that. And they're shooting 180, 170, yeah. 200 class bucks and stuff like that. And like, which is awesome. I would. I mean, who doesn't want to stick a big deer like that? But at the end of the day, the horns sure. ain't, ain't my. There ain't my. You know, my thing. I'm worried about. I'm worried about you don't know, kill right. a deer and putting meat in my freezer, but it, like their entire show would be nothing if they were too scared to go ask for permission to go hunt on people's property. Cause yeah. And you'd be surprised people that have land, you know, just like what the church lady said once I had asked her, you know, they, these deer become a nuisance for them. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. And some of these people that own this land, they have crops, they have their personal gardens. They put a lot of time and effort into this and they don't see the deer as the pretty pets, you know, that some other people get to see in passing they're a nuisance so you're doing some of these landowners a favor you know they're not going to seek out hunters they're not going to go out there and and you know open up their land to just anybody but you present yourself in a way like i said that's genuine and you know they get a taste of your character and you know get a feel that you're going to be respectful for their land that uh you might be surprised when they say yes and now all of a sudden you've got 
this prime spot that's literally all you and you got no one to compete with and you know if you wouldn't ask you would have never got to experience that right i'm saying every place i've ever asked permission to hunt whether i got a yes or i got a no my thing was i'm going to be upfront honest with what i do what i intend to do if i get permission and make sure they understand that they can say no and it's perfectly fine yep that's my way of doing it and i will tell you i get more no's than yeses but at the end of the day that's still giving me knowledge you know i, I can work around there, there's more ways to skin a cat basically yeah one neighbor may say no another neighbor may say yes well now you can work the same deer you just have to do a little bit further down the road yeah or you know you look at it this way you ask 10 people two people said yes you're only one hunter you can only hunt so much properly you know so much property i'm sorry effectively exactly you know I mean? so you're not looking to get 10 15 different farms you need one or two good spots you know that are producing deer or you know provides a pinch point and travel corridor for these deer between a water source of bedding and a food source mm -hmm. and then you're sitting pretty for the entire year and you might have some of the best experiences you've ever had exactly that is that is 100 percent right and one of the one of the things I try and do on my show is I try and be educational. So saying things like this and going about how I do it, what my results are, what my guest results are, how they go about doing it, or whether it's you know asking for permission or or it's how how they pull their bow back or what kind of type of camo or scent killing process they go through. I want it to be transparent to my my listeners so that way they. They, they can learn something possibly I'm not the smartest dude in the world but in four years of really busting my butt to get on some big deer and you know I may have put one down last year but I've seen more than him around mm -hmm. so I, I mean I feel like I'm doing something right to be able to see these deer I may not just be in the right spot at the right time to put an arrow in them yeah. and I'm not going to hold back and be like oh I ain't telling you nothing no because yeah. right? there's yeah, that, a that huge generational gap and, uh... That attitude doesn't fly with me. I, I'm not. I'm not about that at all. Yeah, I'm like, a pretty open book when it comes to tactics, things that I do, um, what I would think or what my personal opinion would be in that situation. It doesn't hurt me any. Right. And I'm one of those people. Like I said, I, I came from a military background, you know, and I see things that I do and things that I pass on to other people. If they were to progress or do well because of that, that's a reflection of me. So in a certain way, in a selfish way, I'm, I'm getting some kind of gratification out of somebody else being successful. Right, right. You know, so holding back that information does nothing, but then it just secures an end to this this beautiful thing that we love to do. Because exactly. it's not gonna be around forever, it keeps going that route. There's too many people right now that are, are against hunting and don't want anything to do with it. There's too many young people that aren't introduced to it at the right age or in the right way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Exactly. I, I love the idea that you're trying to spread this because growing this sport and growing this thing that we love is, I think, the most important thing. Exactly. It is. See, I'm the type of person that, like, if I have a buddy or, say, you even, you know, you, you hit me up, hey, dude, I got an Ohio tag, I'd be like, oh, dude, that's awesome. Like, uh, I'll give you the phone number of the property owner I hunt on. If she gives you a go-ahead to come on that property with me, even if it's yeah. just with me only, get down here dude we're doing some observation tonight we're getting you in the woods you're getting a deer tomorrow yeah that's the way i, I am that's where you're going to be at in michigan because again i don't know how much you how much information you want to put out there but i have every intention on you know reaching out to you after this and finding out the area 
you know, and if we are around or it's somewhere that I'm familiar with or whatever, I, I, I want to do that for you as well. Cause like I said, you're, you're up for a challenge coming out and, and, uh, trying to take a deer public land here in Michigan. Oh, I am. So, I think any, it'd be anything, fun. anything to help. <laughs> and say, if you want to stick to the public land route, and you, you know, you get an Ohio tag or whatever down the road. My, my prop or my family owns some property in Southern Ohio. I'm not going to be able to get anybody permission to hunt that other than people with it that are in the family. However, mm-hmm. we butt right up against 1100 acres of public land. That's an old strip mine. Wow. And it is wow. very, very challenging. I have actually only killed one deer down there. That's it. And I'm 25. I've killed one deer and I've been hunting since like 2005. Wow. It, it's a challenge and I love it down there. There's not much surface down there. It's very secluded, heavy timber with... Mm-hmm. I don't want to say there's a lot of ag fields. I think there's more hay fields than anything down there in pasture field, but I haven't been down there okay. in about a year and a half. But it, it's a very challenging area, but it's a very beautiful area. Yeah. And I'm more willing to, you know, be like, hey, if you want to come down and try it, down and that's where you want to do is stick to public land, I got a bed for you to sleep on. I'll cook. You know, I'll bring a case of beer. We'll, we'll get after it, and we'll meet back up after dark, and we'll see what happened and game plan for the next day and get after it again. Yeah, I love that. I hope I keep running to people with that same kind of outlook, you know, as I, I keep growing in the sport. Um, it, there's a lot more people that have it this helps, mindset. It helps a lot. Than people that don't, from my experience of who I've met. And I've met Clint and Doug and Eric from Working Class. I know uh, Clint. Um, I want the his younger brother was a senior in high school when I was in high school. So I know Clint. Oh, wow. Um, Kurt I've met uh, briefly he was when I met him in Columbus that show trade show they were on the last couple legs of that uh, the shows so they were like running on fumes and I don't blame them at all because that stuff is tiring Um, but I met you know the Breaking Point TV guys I met Aaron I met Brennan I met the Whitetail Adrenaline guys and stuff like that so like I've gotten to talk to some pretty cool people and meet some pretty cool people and more often not, they have the same mentality as us. They want to pass it on because they understand just as well as anybody. Without their fans, without new listeners or new people getting involved in the sport, they don't they don't get to do whatever one of us wants to do. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're very humble about it. Like great dudes. Like I bet you, if I picked up the phone, and called Doug right now, Doug would answer. If I called Aaron, Aaron would probably answer. They're great guys. Great guys. And I'm glad I've gotten to meet him and become friends with him because in the future, I hope to, you know, like be able to just go hang out one weekend if it, even if it isn't deer season and just hang out with him because that's how yeah. great the community is. And if people are being douchebags and, oh, I'm not telling you where I hunt. I'm not telling you how I hunt or how I have all these successes. I don't consider them part of the hunting community. I consider them part of yeah. the asshole community. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. But that's my entire goal is to promote and expand our beloved sport and, you know, teach people the right way, the ethical ways of doing things. Like, you may yeah. want to use a gun. That's perfectly fine. I'm not against gun hunting. Mm-hmm. I would caution you to use such a high-powered rifle that you are doing more harm to the meat than what you're going to put in your freezer. I would yeah. also caution you to use the right size firearm so that way you're not hitting it and wounding it and got to shoot it three or four more times, track it 600 yards. You know, I, I like to see them, you know, go ethically and quickly. Um, but at the same time, whatever 
trips your trigger and you know that's how you want to hunt that's how you want to hunt dude go go sure. for it i will support you in any way possible you need me to go buy ammo for you i'll go buy ammo for you you know that's yeah that's the way i was raised you do what makes you happy you do what gets the blood pumping and that that's the whole point of this it's not about shaming it's not about you know i have i have my own preferences i have my own you know ideas about you know certain ways to honor or what people do but it's like i said it's it's ultimately your decision as long as it's legal i mean i don't Mm -hmm. have a problem with it exactly we don't have to agree on everything to be able to agree that the sport needs help yeah like yeah but when, I, I when it comes down to when you break it down you get it down to like just the basics you know getting up close with one of these animals especially a whitetail you know putting it down ethically coming up on it following that blood trail that whole process and then putting hands on it and feeling like you accomplished something like it's a privilege. man you can't duplicate that with anything else nothing I've ever done in life is compared to that high that adrenaline rush oh yeah and uh, man I feel like so many people are missing out and with how readily available information is you know shows mm-hmm. like what you're doing and hopefully videos that i'm able to put out and some of these other big names that are out there with the right perspective these younger kids can come into this and they're just it's unreal how quick they can access information and and tactics and tips and tricks that me and you you know and some of the older guys had to struggle to figure out on our own you know it's it's right there it's at their fingertips man mm-hmm. they can just type something in and it's bam right right that, that's one of the advantages that we can use to help get other people involved also agreed i mean i, I know for a fact i remember when i started grindstone adventures um the other five guys involved i remember sending them i said all of you guys need to get an email account to me so that way mm-hmm. if i send something out an email it's there we can always refer back to it if we need to go back and get it or something like that that way it's there and i remember sending the very first email i said these are my expectations and number one on that list was we are an educational based show the podcast may get a little sloppy in the language every now and again the hunting show on youtube will be clean that is my rule and i said number two i do not tolerate trophy shaming if that if you see a spike buck and you think that's the coolest thing in the world, you better yeah. shoot it. Shoot, yeah. shoot that thing. If that's what makes you happy, Maybe. shoot it. If it's legal and it gets your blood pumping, by all means, go ahead and do it. Because if um, you, but you better be happy and have the same energy when you walk up on it as you did yeah. when you first pulled the trigger. Because yeah. if you don't, then you're going to be disappointed. You're going to have a bad experience, and now I'm going to have a bad taste in my mouth because of it too. Yeah. Now, I, I have my own standards uh, where we hunt public land. I know there's plenty of people that go out there and they got the mentality, if it's brown, it's down kind of thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's got spots, it's got spikes, it's got bumps, it doesn't. Um, the way that we grew up and we were taught, you know, if you see a yearling, you see a button buck, you see a spike, that gets the pass. You're not yep. going to see the quality deer if you keep taking out young deer like that. You might go a year without being able to get anything, but... When that time comes and that big six, eight, ten point walks out, you're going to be grateful and you're going to know you did the right thing in that moment. You know, so again, that that's just particular to my situation. Right. You know, and I, I still, and I'm going to be, I, I'm, I just turned 38, you know, coming up on 40, and I still got my best years of hunting ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I've only taken a couple does with a boat, and I've been doing this since I was a, a, a kid, you know. So, yeah, my first, 
my first buck might be a smaller six point or a small eight point you know some people would be like wow why did you shoot that i would have passed that without even hesitation like i wouldn't even have thought about that but you just got to take in consideration where i'm coming from Mm -hmm. you know and this could be somebody else's situation too they might have only gotten a, a, a small doe and then a medium doe and then maybe they got a spike and that six point is a major upgrade from what they came from and that got their heart pumping it's like man let them enjoy that moment exactly yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, now with the private property I have in Ohio, it's 560 mm-hmm. acres from September 24th, 25th, or 26th. It's been one of those days the last three years. Till February 2nd is when the season ends. But during those gun seasons, I'm not on that property because mm-hmm. the Amish come down and they hunt it. But every time that it's not gun season and it's just bow season, I'm yeah. really the only person on that property. Yeah, and, and that's you, a lot of property. Might, you so might pass, you might pass them. Right. Yeah, you would take somewhere else in public land because you know the potential of that area. Exactly, if that's I have what a I'm saying. Yeah, and walk out in front of me and this church property that I hunt. I'll tell you what, there's not even hesitation. Exactly, I'm putting an arrow through the pump house, and I'm hoping that thing falls inside thirty. Exactly, that's what I want, and I'm gonna be very happy about it. Exactly, like I will wait for a good deer in Ohio on the property I have permission to hunt. In Michigan, mm-hmm. you know, I see a good. I, I probably will keep it to you know eight points or up, but if I see a good sure. eight point buck, it, and this is Michigan specifically because like I said, in PA I can only shoot bucks, but in Michigan yeah. specifically if I shoot, you see a nice eight point, and I, he gets my blood pumping, I'm, I'm smoking him if I can, you know I'm not the greatest shot yeah, in the world, but I'm going to attempt it. <laughs> or you know if a doe comes in and I am notorious, I am one of the notorious hunters that if a doe stamps her foot at me i'm grabbing the gun or i'm grabbing the bow that she's, she's about to hit the dirt um, i've done a couple of these tiktok videos and my kids absolutely love them they get them cracking up so oh, yeah. much and uh the doe blowing i mean that's you gotta think about it a doe a mature doe she's on high alert all the time yep, when the she's, to even during the rut she's not distracted by what's going on those bucks put blinders on and you're catching them in a dumb moment and that's when most people are successful with these big deer right you know let's be honest that's why you're able to make the mistakes that you wouldn't be able to get away with in an early season when that buck's on high alert that buck didn't get to be five six seven years old because he's dumb right but you catch him in the rut making a mistake that's what you count on those does they're on high alert all the time Yep. They're, they're, they're 100 every single time they step into an opening. Their eyes are up, their ears are up, their tail's going. They're, I, I call them the, the howler monkeys of the woods. <laughs> I you know love I mean? that. They're waiting for anything <laughs> to move. They're waiting for anything to not look right, not smell right, and they're screaming at everybody, get the hell out of here. Yep. yep. So a big mature doe on public land, that's still a major accomplishment as far as I'm concerned out here in Michigan. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, in PA, I might lower my standards a little bit just to get a buck on the ground but at the end mm-hmm. of the day i'm not i probably still won't shoot a super young deer and i'd rather eat a tag than shoot a super young deer over there sure but you know i'm not i'm not hurting for deer meat or anything like that i'd love to have some and I, my goal is to shoot enough this year to ha- give some out to other people but you know yeah if i shoot a doe you know that that's awesome because i've never shot a deer with a compound bow so like it, i get i'm gonna be super stoked anyways it's so cool and I, I get this question a lot because how do you feel about rifle hunting i said I, i'm not partial to it myself i don't i don't see the connection at 150 plus yards taking an animal that has no idea you're there mm-hmm. you know i i get something out of seeing that deer so close 
that if it's cold, I can see it breathing. I can count the whiskers on its nose, you know? It's more intimate. I can watch the eyelashes flick as it's looking around. Like, there's something about that when you think you're so close that your heartbeat is audible. Yep. Yep. It's, 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 it, there's, <laughs> it's cool. It's challenging. The and chest that's why match I is very I intimate. It. That's yep. what I love about it. Like, I, I have no issue gun hunting. Uh, no. I would if I you know if I had property to do it I'm not hunting on the same property as Amish I've had some bad run-ins with them about it um, but I, I have no problem with it I bought a brand new 350 Legend and I have yet to take it out in deer woods more than once um, excellent but you know there's just something about that chess match to get close to a deer and be like alright I yeah. can outsmart this animal and then put it down ethically and respect it by putting it in my freezer you know what I mean that that's just so intimate to me like that's what I want I know that those are words that have probably been used by you know Mark and Terry Drury or sure, you know, uh, sure. Michael Waddell it, it, it's those words because it's it's a feeling that's duplicated in every one of those situations there's really no other way to just right you know what I mean if if you're able to get a deer inside 15 yards and they haven't smelled you they haven't seen you and you're able to come to full draw and put a shot on a deer, that's a major accomplishment. Those deer are wired to pick up movement. They're wired to notice if anything's off. Exactly. Like, you, like when, you, when you describe it as chess, that's exactly what it is. You, you made a checkmate move. Now can you capitalize on it? Yep. You know, can you deliver that final blow? Can you put that deer down ethically? Can you control your nerves enough and your breathing enough to make that shot land where you want it to? And mm -hmm. when it does man there's no better feeling because you know you know when you let that air go you know i mean you haven't you haven't experienced this yet with the compound but i'm telling you right now it's 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 undescribable like you, you can't right. you can't compare that to anything when you know that that shot was good you see that thing ducked down you see that tail tucked down that thing's running and you can already see blood from your tree stand i, I can't Ooh, wait i cannot cool, wait man. i've been envisioning it like i woke up last night and i was like fully ex like thought I was in a tree stand hanging by my safety strap because I got too excited after smoking a doe and I was dangling but I woke up and I was <laughs> laying in the bed and my alarm's going off it's time to get up for work I was like man that was such a good dream but like I'm, I'm I can taste my first compound kill I've been thinking yeah. about it that much but like you were just saying like you know put that put that arrow where you want it and that mm -hmm. ex you know have that feeling at the same time for, you know, a possible new hunter or something like that. So that arrow don't hit where you want it to. Now you have to take six, 18 hours somewhere in there, let it sit, and then go back in and try and do a recovery. Yeah. You have to be able to accept that that mistake was yours, and now you have to respect the yeah. animal enough to let it, you know, die without pushing it and making it do circles and run for miles and then die somewhere you never find and waste the meat. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm big on preaching to people about practicing and get out there to where when you pull that bow back and you're okay so the, the, the comparison that i use a lot when people are saying you know how, how do you shoot i compare it to uh, shooting a rubber band when you shoot a rubber band you don't think about it you don't line up you don't try to get your eye down there and squint and try to you know aim mm -hmm. you put that rubber band where you want it to do you can pull it up real quick pull back shoot it Yep. with your bow you should be able to put that first hand out that's on the riser and be so close to where you want at full draw that you don't have to make any major movements 
that should be muscle memory. That should be something that just comes natural, not something you have to think about. Exactly. There's so many other things you got to think about where your feet are on your platform, on your tree stand, if that's where you're hunting, mm-hmm. you know, where your elbows at, if you're going to hit that branch and you're going to punch that trigger early, are you making any noise? You know, how's your breathing? Like there's so many other things that you have to worry about in that moment that I don't think pulling back and shooting your bow should be one of them. Right. And especially yeah. for you and me also, your full draw is my camera on frame. You know, there's all yeah. kinds of other things that like you just don't think about when you first start shooting or you first get into the right type of form. And I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm not Ted Nugent. I'm not Mark and Terry Drury. I'm not the greatest shot in the world. I will openly say it to anybody and everybody. But I do mm-hmm. my best to practice and get better at it. I have major target yeah. panic. And, you know, most people that have target panic that don't know anybody that has remedies or anything or the remedies they've heard don't work, they'll quit shooting targets like that or they'll they'll just quit shooting a bow altogether. My remedy is I'm going back to the 3D range this Sunday. I keep shooting at targets. I'm going to keep doing it until I get over it. I don't yeah. care. I mean, it's going to suck because I'm probably going to break and lose a lot of arrows. But at the same time, like, I'm not giving up my sport. I'm not giving up yeah. what I love. So I'll break yeah. I'll break as many arrows as it takes. Yeah, it's something you can master. You know what I mean? And there's something to be said about that too. And that's why hunting's so appealing to so many people is it's it's not something that you can just walk in and do. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes dedication. It takes perseverance. It takes a lot of time and effort, you know. But it is something that you can master. It is something that you can you can fine-tune and get extremely comfortable with and your bow shouldn't be the thing that you're not comfortable with i think in that moment so the mm-hmm. 3d shooting i think that's a great great point if people haven't done that shooting at a flat target at a certain it's all the time where you know it's exactly 20 yards that's one thing but to go into a 3d range and kind of try to get used to eyeballing and and, and splitting pins you know what i mean if you're shooting multi-pins mm-hmm. you know if you can do that then that just boosts your confidence so much more that in that moment you know, you're like, okay, that looks at about 30, maybe 25. I'm going to split that, and I'm going to feel confident when I let this arrow go because you shouldn't be just letting things fly. Right. You know what I mean? You should be doing everything that you can to respect that animal and give it, you know, the best chance that you have to, to put that ethical shot on it. Exactly. Yep. And I I very much struggled with shooting. Now, I had to do some adjustments today. I shot it, like, I shot twice at 20 yards. It was a little bit left, but it was still right there. I was like, all right, cool. Still on. Pulled up, went to 40 yards. Started missing the target by inches left. And I was like, or what I thought was left. I was like, what in the heck? So I kept shooting. I was like, I don't know what's going on. And finally I get to the point where like, I'm so frustrated. I was like, all right, something had to have happened. My sight is not supposed to be off. I was just hitting on Sunday at 40 yards. So I go and move my sight. You know, I followed it whichever direction I went. Right. And I hit target, and I was like, all right, cool. I walk up there. Now, it was on a little bit of an incline, so, like, all my shots that I hit onto the target were either low or I self-adjusted and hit high. Um, At that point, I was just trying to get my arrows on the target so I could, you know, then adjust and tighten the group from there. But I got it on the target, and I was like, all right, cool. I'm an idiot. I was totally adjusting the wrong way. Like, oh, you weren't chasing the arrow? You're doing no, I, right I, I was. I, I was chasing the arrow. Problem was, mm-hmm. I got white and red fletchings with a clear knock. Couldn't okay. see it. Could not see the uh, arrow after it left the immediate bow. Okay. Because I'm I'm almost blind. I wear pretty thick 
contact lenses. So once it gets to a certain <laughs> point and it, my bow is pushing 315 plus per uh, second. So once nice. it hits a certain point, I, I'm not going to see it. And my, I'm going to change yeah. my Luminox before Saturday next week. But as of right now, I'm not changing them because then I don't, I don't have to worry about turning them off. And that's what happened to them last time is I forgot to turn them off and they died. So mm -hmm. at the moment, I'm just shooting Luminox that are dead. So there's there's some off brand ones on Amazon, so I'll I'll segue a little bit and let you know about that, so I don't forget about it. Okay. Um, I'll send you a link to them too, and I, I've shot them for the last three years, and they've got I've had one that I just just out of curiosity left it going. I'm talking three days. This battery was still going strong. Really. And they got little they got little um, switches on them, not the little hole where you got to put in like a tool and lift it, separate it. Yeah. They got little switches, so if they do happen to turn on, they're real quick, but they're bright. And I'll never shoot anything but, you know, a Luminoc, you know, and I'm doing quotations, mm -hmm. um, on my arrow. Because that alone, when you let that arrow fly, there's so much more confidence in you knowing and playing back that shot in your head. Yep. Because you're able to visualize that arrow from exactly. the time you let it go to the time it impacts and after to see if it's exit or if it's still in that deer when it runs. That helps so much better with just that panic that immediately sets in like crap i feel like the shot was good did it go where i want it to mm -hmm. where's blood i don't see any blood you know that that eliminates that section of it so lighted knocks 100 percent i i'm all yep. for i use I, I buy them at the local grocery store down there in my hometown okay. i don't remember what they're called but uh i know they're not the greatest they're only the even the back says it's like only 11 hours of continuous light so they're, gotcha. like, they're only like $26, which is extremely cheap for lighted knocks. Mm -hmm. I'm normally used to seeing them like $45 plus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess six-pack, I think they're like 15 bucks. And I, I'll stand by these things. I know they're made in China, and I wish I could buy American ones that weren't mm -hmm. $50, $60 enough to equip six arrows, but... Right. You know, this is an expensive sport. It's a very expensive hobby, and I've told that to my wife when I first met her. You know, her question to me was, while I was in the military, was, you know, what are your plans and what do you want to do when you get out? And I said, well, I want to go back to Michigan. And there's two things that I'll always do. And I hope that you won't, you know, ever have an issue with it is I always fish and I'll always hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, so these are expensive hobbies and it is something that I'm very passionate about. And I'll always put something aside for that, you know, but there's just some things you can't justify the price on and just a couple lights on six arrows and it's costing yeah. you that much it gets hard to to have that expense you know yep like i, I know the arrows i have now uh th these lighted knocks they're coming two separate pieces you got your your knock with a slide like a little skinny cylinder looking thing mm -hmm. and then you got an insert to match whatever you know your arrow diameter uh, is. okay so so it's like a universal fit right you um, got, it can, yeah it's got three different size sleeves yeah it's got three different size sleeves and mine just happened to take the widest okay fine mm -hmm. so I, I stick it in there and i was like all right that's the one that fits and i'm like i've had issues in the past where knocks just pull out or they don't yeah so i took and i it was all that was laying around at the house that day blue loctite and i loctited all four of them in of my arrows so if i do switch you know it's going to be a pain in the butt but i think i can get those out <laughs> but at the same yeah. time you know if if not then it is what it is i'll just keep those ones on there and 
I'll just you know throw those into backup arrows and because my buddy's uh, he's gonna be he's be selling me some uh, gold tip hunter pros 15 of them here soon so as soon as I can get the money and get over to pick them up I just haven't had time to pick them up yet because I've been working so much but they're so different than mine you. you're bringing up you're bringing up arrows are you of the side of the heavy FOC like that's that's the that's the goal you're going for or are you looking more for you know speed and you know flat shot well I have not done been in the research game of arrows long enough to know much um, I can okay. tell you exactly what my setup is pretty much um, I don't remember exactly how much my inserts are uh, for mm -hmm. the tip my arrow is 340 it's a gold tip Valkyrie they are speed designed arrows and I didn't know that when I bought them until I looked okay. back at the box when I was leaving the store um, so they're speed designed arrow I'm I want to make a guess it's 7 to 12 ounce insert down there um, I shoot 100 grain broad or 100 grain broadhead and a 100 grain practice tip. My knots mm -hmm. that I put into it are less than eight ounces, I believe, or eight grams, not ounces. Eight grams, right, 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 yeah. And then I have no idea what the fletchings are. There's four of them. Yeah. So I, after doing all that math and stuff, I'm like, all right, so I'm shooting right around. What is that? So 345 or 440. So I'm shooting close to 400. I want to say. Or not 400 or five. I'm shooting close to five. Yeah. I don't know whether that's a good thing. I don't know if a heavy arrow setup's a good thing. Now, arrows I will be buying are 300 spine. But at the end of the day, I have a 20, what is it? 28 inch draw. Something okay. like that. 28, 27 inch draw. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and I'm pulling 70. So I'm yeah. like, all right. You know, I know that I have to have a certain certain spine number because otherwise right. I'll blow an arrow up in my face. Yeah, match, match your weight and your draw. But other than that, I don't know the statistics between a heavy arrow, heavy arrow or a light arrow. I know the bigger the game, the heavier arrow you want. But other beyond that, for whitetail, I have no idea. Yeah, that's one part of uh, bow hunting I never got into seriously. I and never just knew. out of curiosity, I had someone grill me about it and be like, you know, well, what are you shooting? And I weighed my arrow. I think my total weight for my arrow is something like 370, 380. Yeah. And the reaction that I got was like, what are you going to kill with that? I have never had an arrow stick in a deer. I've got nothing but pass-throughs. I do shoot fixed blades. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of mechanicals. Um, but I have a short draw. Like I have 26, 26 and a half inch draw. Mm -hmm. I shoot 70 pounds. Max out's like 72 on my realm. Um, but my bow is fast. My bow is quick, and I'll tell you what, I got some family members that got some heavy arrows, they got the outserts, super heavy, you know, FOC, and my arrow, you know, and this is, I haven't officially measured it or anything, but seeing it side by side, I feel like I get better penetration. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a smaller diameter arrow, they're shorter, they're lighter, and that thing, man, they come out quick, they're like lasers. So, you built so I was just speed. wondering if you'd fallen into that that hole because I, I've done some of the research and there's so much out there, so much conflicting one way or the other, and it's yeah. it seems like one of those ones you can really get deep into. And I just I never did. And I was just wondering if you had. I've I've been doing a lot more research into it because I've finally got someone to grill me on arrows this year mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I never knew that you're supposed to cut arrows down, believe it or not. So I've been shooting bows really? for the last what before i sold my compound two years ago 
that so you're shooting them stock length like right i was out the pad, i'm you're not anymore out a, a head and flinging them i was i'm not anymore so okay. yeah i had like a 28 inch draw or something like that and i was slinging 32 inch arrows and i was like why am i getting all this tail whip couldn't figure wow. it out couldn't figure it out finally went to a 3d shoot and this dude's like dude what are you doing why is your arrow hanging four inches past right. your rest <laughs> i was like well, what do you mean he's like your arrows are too long i was like that matters and he's like yeah, yeah. And i was like okay well talk to me what why <laughs> and he's oh, i like, catch hell all the time my arrows look like crossbow bolts because they're so short <laughs> I, you know what if it works it works it might actually be cheaper to yeah. you know have arrows that are short like that but yeah, i didn't know that you know i got schooled on it and the guy was like i'm not trying to be a douche or a dick or anything like that i was like no dude, no, no bring that it was like good advice. feed I'm, me I'm information when you bought them they didn't offer no no because i had been buying carbon express from online places and walmart uh, and stuff like that and okay that's why i'm just now learning about all this stuff is because they're like yeah you need different arrows because if anything with a barcode on it's junk they mass yeah. produce them they're not made correctly i was like oh, okay that makes sense in my head I'm like you need shorter arrows i was like okay excuse me um what kind of arrows and they're like the best arrows and they only listen to brands um they're like gold tip or what the guy showed me he's like i shoot gold tip hunter xts i was like okay he's like i shoot 300 grain or, or 300 spine and my buddy's like i shoot those same arrows but 400 spine i was like okay yeah and then uh working class bow hunter they shoot victory arrows mm-hmm. and i was the like victory the baps uh they shoot different ones of the victories um okay i don't know the names of each one off the top of my head um but at the moment i've made up my mind i'm done with carbon express gold tip i have not been incredibly ex- like impressed by they fly really well i will give them that they fly great um they're very quick they're very quiet they mm-hmm. don't hold up a whole lot like i've hit i've broken two of them so far uh, i mean i broke five so total but two of them was no fault to my own i hit a target mm-hmm. Under, it was underneath it was a 3d deer target in my buddy's backyard it was underneath that little press out heart vitals area just above okay. the leg but not so low that i hit the plastic hit that sucker and it did not sound right i was like what the heck so i pulled the arrow out and look and the arrow fell down dangled it broke in half wow. so i was like well that's that that's enough to take me off so then wow. i go to a 3d shoot shoot hit uh I think I hit a front shoulder on a target, and the same thing happened. I was like, well, if "Really? These, if these arrows are gonna break like this, I should have just stuck with the Carbon Expresses. I got fourteen uh, of I them." I shoot Carbon Express destroyers. They have a, a multi-weave design that gives them flex and, mm-hmm. and stiffness in different parts of the arrow. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan. This will be, I think, my second year shooting them. I was shooting um, the Adrenalines when I was shooting okay. Carbon Express. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just it's funny when. Like you have these stories with other hunters and stuff, how people become partial to certain things and, and the things that turn them off or turn them on to different brands and, and products. It's, it's just hilarious the different outcomes and mm-hmm. experiences people have with it because you're like, I'll never shoot Carbon Express. I'm like, I got those in my quiver right now. Well, it's like, I'm not saying I won't ever go back to them, but <laughs> right. at the no, moment, no, I understand. At the moment, I'm looking at other arrows. Like, honestly, if I shoot a gold tip Sunday mm-hmm. and it just shreds itself again 
at that point, you know, I'll probably have to finish out the season with gold tips because I'm not, I can't go spend, you know, the money I had this summer on arrows anymore because I don't, I've got to put the resources back into the cameras for this season now. Um, gotcha. Because when the season's rolling, I roll with what I got and I throw fuel in the mm-hmm. truck and I, you know, I, I buy batteries for the, the cameras and I buy SD cards so I can keep things rolling yeah. smoothly and be as efficient as oh, possible. I'm looking at a pile of all my gear. I'm sitting at my desk in my basement right now and I'm, I'm going through everything in my head and it's already racking up how much and the different yep. electronics and cameras and yep. mounts. And <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like I was looking up today because I'm hunting out of a blind on opening day and I was like, man, I don't have a tripod. I need to get one. Oh mm-hmm. man, I was like, is, I, it, is it is it just me or do you find a way to justify things that you absolutely need? Oh yeah, need? oh yeah. So I look at this uh, grindstones as like future hopefully my future job mm-hmm. I'm going to school oh, I'm in grad school to be a teacher right there. I'm go- it's I'm an like, investment I'm hoping to be a teacher one day in the near future okay. um, but at the same time I understand what being a teacher can do you know I can mm-hmm. get all kinds of leave time you know whatever's in my contract I can go out of state you know take off go hunting come back and still be able to hunt in the evenings throughout the week in Ohio yeah. And then I was like, all right, I'm very passionate about coaching track. I'm very passionate about history. So I want to, I want to teach social studies. I want to be a track coach. All right, cool. Well, that leaves me deer season just fine. Turkey season, I can finagle around. What else do I want to do with my time? Well, I want to deer hunt for a living. I've watched shows like this. I've talked about doing it for, since I was six years old. So I just jumped into it. And now I'm like, that's my goal right there. I want to teach. I want to do the hunting show. And then if the hunting show gets big enough, I will toss teaching to the side and I will roll with this. That is my goal. So I'm like, my buddy asked me one day, he's like, why'd you buy a Rambo bike? I was like, it's an, <laughs> it's an investment, dude. And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's not an investment. I was like, it's an if investment. You say so. He's you like, justified it in your head, so it is an investment. <laughs> I mean, he caught me red handed. I just threw the investment word out there and it sounds good, but he caught me red handed. He's like, you were just too lazy to walk up that hill and check that camera again, weren't you? I was like, yeah. That was way yeah. too lazy. I mean, it, you bow the head a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> turn red, turn your head a little bit, and just walk, start walking away. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, you got me. But it, oh, that's <laughs> definitely the only reason I bought that bike. But yeah. it's coming handy a few times. Right now, it's got some technical issues, but it is what it is. I got to figure out if my warranty set up on it. If not, I'm gonna do the maintenance on it, try and fix it because I think I know mm-hmm. what the problem is. I think the throttle cable's loose. So okay. I'd have to crack the case to get into it. But if I crack the case and I have a warranty, I just now void the warranty. So I got to figure right. that out first. But it's not a big deal to me either way. But this is where that access to information comes into play, though. You're only like one Google search or YouTube video away from not understanding how to fix it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm also lucky. My best friend owns and works on his own dirt bikes. So, oh, like, I've got, you know, I'm be like, hey, dude, what? What is this funky looking cable right here? He'd be like, "Oh, that's your that's your throttle cable." I was like, "Oh, well, that's the one I need then." But yeah, I I've got some really cool guys. He's a part of Grindstone. Um, I love him to death. He's a bit of a bonehead sometimes, but I love him to death. He's been my best friend since sixth grade. Shoots big deer, and hopefully he's learned. I've talked to him enough and helped teach him a little things because he wasn't completely ignorant to it. He just told me one day last year before he shot his buck, he's like. Dude, I've never hunted to win in my life. And I was like, how do you kill these deer? 
How, how do you, and, it, and it blew my head even more when I started thinking about the deer that he could have killed if he would have been hunting the wind. I'm like, oh my gosh, how, dude? And like I told my other buddy that, and he, he just his jaw dropped too. And he's like, what? And then he goes, do you hunt thermals too? And I was like, I don't know any, much about thermals, but like, I would if I knew much. And he explained it to me. So now I, I play thermals also, but like, I'm huge on my scent control huge on mm -hmm. my scent control my buddy scent control trumps everything because I'm, I'm going to be completely honest and I'm, I'm i'm kind of exposing myself a little bit here with public land we don't have the luxury of putting up five or six different stands you run yeah. the risk of someone coming in and stealing them you know or you just don't have the time to do it like you're kind of up there on limited time and you got to put up a stand and, and that's your stand it's either right. you're going to sit it or you're not yep you know so i don't have the luxury of playing the wind even though i understand how it affects it but scent control for me has 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 been you know primary for everything so right. i get i get the win i wish i i had five stands that i could bounce around and be like ah it's not gonna work for this one i should be over here you know but some people don't get to right like i i know for a fact he's big on his scent control methods mm -hmm. he, he just not ever really played to win and like i explained it to him so this year i'm pretty sure he's talking about he's gonna he's gonna give it a attempt because he likes to go in with a climber and hang and bang so like and he's got some setup stand specific locations permanently, mm -hmm. which good on you know good, but like we're just now talking about like sometimes the wind ain't gonna be good for that spot, so you got to go somewhere yeah. else. And that's why yeah. I am on my property that I've been hunting in Ohio. Like I've got a blind in one spot, I've got a climber that's been on, probably needs to come out of the woods. Honestly, now I think about it, the straps probably bad. It's been there since last season. Um, Check those. <laughs> I've got two other climbers sitting at my home, my house, and my mom and dad's house. I've got a hanging bang set in the back of my truck. So, like, I've got multiple options to move around and be flexible. Now, my hanging bang, I've never even taken out of the box, never tried to set it on a tree. So that one's going to take some practice before it gets used. But the climbers, yeah. I've been using climbers the last six years. So, like, I'll be ready to rock and roll with those real quick. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that's something that's great. Like, you know, it, it, now it's something that not everybody can afford to do or anything. Like, my first two climbers yeah. were hand-me-downs. One was my brother's, and it was like three sizes too small for me. I'd sit and I'd get bars in my gut or you know my back, and some would be uncomfortable. And I'd sit for four or six hours in it and just deal with it. And then my buddy gave me one of his old one because he kind of got out of hunting. And if he wants it back, he'll, I, I'll give it right back to him because I got a newer one. But it, it's a nicer one. It's heavy still, but it's a nicer setup built for. A guy that's 6'3", 260 pounds. So, oh, wow. That's a comfort stand. Right. It, it's a little gotcha. heavier. Like I said, it's a little heavier. But that one's better than the first one I had. And then this new one mm -hmm. I got, it could hold the same weight of that guy. But at the same time, it's half the weight. And I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. incredible some of the advancements that they've made. Mm -hmm. You know, with these different metals and... You know, just the am steel alone. Like I don't know if you've looked into that with climbing sticks instead of straps. Like the am steel, the daisy chains. Like wow, it's insane. These things are no thicker than your freaking, you know, car charging mm -hmm. cable for your phone, and they'll hold, you know, three fifty plus pounds on a climbing stick. It's incredible, and they're yeah. so light, they're so easy to use. I switched over to those last year, and that was, you know, just one of those upgrades that just made sense at that time, and I'm really glad I did. Yeah, I, I know for a fact. I was actually talking to Chris Wheeler today. Um, we've been we, we, I mean, we've been texting like back and forth like since we did the podcast together. I've been mm -hmm. texting him back and forth, um, but 
he, he was talking to me about saddles and stuff. I told him, I was like, dude, I'm very curious about saddles. Like, I've been seeing more yeah. and more about it. There's such a great, like, asset to get in and out of places and get in the trees that, you know, I can do yeah. quietly on a saddle that I couldn't do in a climber. But the things that are holding me back are they're $300. And I yeah, have no idea how to use cheap, them. And it's, it's, it's not that it's new. It's just newly popular. Mm -hmm. And I think with that popularity comes that price hike. Yep. So I'm hoping over the next couple of years it comes down and other brands start offering and they got to become competitive because I'm with you. It, it's super intriguing, you know, thinking about how you can be hands-free like that and yep. the mobility and how light. And it's like, man, I can get into anything I can climb and I don't have to worry about this. And I am using the tree as my cover. Right. Like, okay. I'm in. I'm in. You got me. Right. Uh, I mean, but I can't justify that three hundred dollar price tag. <laughs> I, I would have to be going down because I don't know anybody uses saddle up by me, and Chris is mm -hmm. Southwest Ohio, at least three okay. hours from me. So I'm like, well, that's an excuse to go down there for him to show me how to use it if I would buy one because he uses one. Absolutely. So I'm like, all right, I'll take my twelve gauge. Maybe we'll go goose hunt or something. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm all for that. Like, so you told me you were listening to that podcast earlier. Chris, mm -hmm. and then um, I don't know if it's it might drop next Friday. Yeah, I think it drops next Friday. Um, and the guest I had on next week, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, okay. We are all three part of a uh, outdoor community. I want to call it. I don't know how you would describe it. We're all field staff members of it. Um, okay. We don't get free gear or anything like that. It's just a community and an app that we all we you know we, I, don't, I think it's like thirty dollars a month. We pay into. We get access okay. to discount codes, all kinds of gear. Um, we get these great stories, places to post our kills, and it's just outdoor community, and it's like a membership. You you thirty bucks, you're in the membership. It's called Serviceide, and they're based okay. out of Central Pennsylvania. Um, Justin, the guy who runs it, he, he's a really cool dude. Um, I've texted him back and forth a few times, uh, sent him pictures of my deer I killed last year. He sent me pictures of deer he killed. Uh, he's a cool dude. I met some Serviceide members in Indiana when I worked in Cincinnati a couple months or a month and a half ago or something like that. And I was in a 3D range shooting by myself. I met a Serviceide member. Chris really? is a Serviceide member. But yeah, it's nationwide and we all have the same mindset. Let's teach and let's grow and let's do as much as we possibly can outside and let's post about it. And, let's and I love that. I love that because I've been getting so much backlash and so much censorship on these platforms where I'm just trying to share things yep. that I'm passionate about. I stopped and sharing it, it some things on TikTok. it just blows my mind the stuff that I'm seeing on, you know, things like TikTok or Instagram that, uh, that they let slide mm -hmm. and I'm getting, you know... I'm getting a hold on my account or I'm, I'm in violation of this and that and I'm like this yep. is crazy exactly. this is one of the oldest sports that we have yep. and, and you're making it like it's like it's taboo yeah. you know yeah girls can and go so shake their the asses half naked but I can't shoot like deer community, that, that sounds that's so appealing man that, that's cool that you found that oh yeah dude look into it because they're always taking new members Okay. It, it it's one of the greatest things in the world. Like they do this thing called hunt swap, where you say you live in Florida, and you got Osceola's, I believe, are the turkeys down there, um, and you want to trade a hunt to come hunt big midwestern whitetails. Okay, so okay. What, what you would do is you say, hey, if you come, if you guys want to come hunt these turkeys down here, I'll help you out, 
in exchange you bring me up to where you're from and now you help me hunt a whitetail oh that's cool i like that oh yeah and they're working on something new now they said it's out um i have not been able to get it to work yet i think i might need to wait till they come out with email say it's completely updated and then i have to update the app but uh, it's okay. called a hunter's map and everybody that okay. does those hunt swaps is located on that map so you can see where you want to go do things and it's not just general hey i'm in the state of michigan or i'm in the state of ohio wow. so it's pretty cool i look so looking forward to it because i'm going to try and make some friends you know out west uh down to florida and up in minnesota wisconsin or wyoming area uh, Montana area because one of since I killed a bird last year I've been or this year I've been hooked uh, I want to do the Grand Slam or okay. which, whichever one it is I want to kill a, bird, a different turkey of each species I'm not real worried about going to Mexico to kill that species turkey <laughs> I just I really They're don't have much bird. interest to do it that's a pretty looking bird the one they got in Mexico though. oh yeah oh yeah I forget the name of it but I, I just saw a video on that not too long ago yeah. oh my god that thing is gorgeous but you know I, I want to do that and then I want it's going to be a lot more expensive to do this one I want to do the same type of deal with deer you know I've got the white tail mm -hmm. I want to go do a mule deer I want to do a Sitka black tail I want to do a kudu deer or kudos deer or something like that the real small ones that are yeah. um, like New Zealand or, or something like that or Alaska like super skittish too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's super challenging so I'm like I want to do that I want to do this and then the red stag and then the elk and whatever other family members in that tree i want to do that one too oh that's cool but like that that's like futuristic goals these aren't like those goals sure. if i put a timeline on those goals and someone i come take if i was drinking right now but i'm not they ought to come take the <laughs> beer away from me because that's nuts like my only yeah. goal inside the next three years is you know i want i want my show to have over a couple thousand followers I'm not going to yeah. throw a specific number on there. I don't care if it's, you know, the hunting show on YouTube or my mm -hmm. podcast. I don't care which one it is. But mm -hmm. I know I was given some advice from the working class guys. They said within the first three years, if your hunting show doesn't take off in the first three years, it's going to fail. It, the yeah. numbers just support it. So I was like, all right, yeah, I've got three like years to get my advice. stuff to go. So I'm coming up on January will be right around my first year. Okay. So I'm like, I need to get rolling and I told a lot of the guys that are involved with me I'm like listen dude I'm all for having fun and games but I gotta treat this like a job too I said we yeah. gotta get we gotta be serious about this we can have fun while we're doing it we yeah. gotta get rolling dude we can't we yeah can't you gotta get around. that good footage you gotta get those things people wanna see you yeah. wanna be talking about topics that not everybody else is into it's just regurgitated information mm -hmm. you know hit something new hit something different yep you know not that I figured it out by any means but it's the stuff that I look for when I see these shows if I look like if it looks like I'm watching a copycat show or it's like oh my god they're doing the same thing yep. same conversation same jargon you know same same gear like where it's literally it's just like a copycat it, it's i don't get away from that quick enough right you know i'm looking for something that's a little bit different and to be honest with you the show uh bow hunter die um i started watching that when that first came out and that was so appealing because these guys were up there nobody had done any like self films and they progressed so much since they started and to see where these guys came from were like Oh, the shots were out of frame and they were still showing it like that was like their highlight of the show and you could just hear the bow going off and then hear the deer running and they're like crap i didn't get it in film i bumped it you know to see somebody willing to share 
something real. Mm-hmm. It made it feel more authentic, and I've I've chosen to follow them, you know, till now to where they're a lot more professional. They're polished. They got team members all over the nation, you know. But it's that progress. But having the right things, yep. you know, frontal that that you need to do and and kind of separate yourself because you know while it's not a huge sport, it's it's becoming saturated with things that are very similar and that's the challenge for us you know that, mm-hmm. that's the challenge itself and i look forward to that challenge um yeah, because absolutely. M- me myself i don't know everything so a lot of times when i'm doing these shows and stuff like uh for example i brought on one of my college buddies elijah sims i've done mm-hmm. two episodes with him both were very heavily involved with turkey once you got through the, the college bs and uh <laughs> us talking like we talked to each other in college um, but once you get through that, it's it's very heavy in turkey knowledge because Elijah knows a lot about turkeys. He's good at calling. He's good at hunting and stuff. And like I said, this is my first year. I don't know much about turkeys. I know they can mm-hmm. see really well. That's about all I know. Yeah. And yeah. Me too. <laughs> so when I do a lot of these podcasts, and it's heavily informational, what in my mind makes it more appealing is I'm learning and I'm asking questions that I find like I'm like all right. I don't understand this concept like break it down for me even more or like what do you mean by this you know it's generally yeah. coming from me like i don't i don't know what what he's talking about you know what i mean and when i think I that's what that, makes when i was in the military i would tell my guys i said turn into a sponge i need you to be in sponge mode right now i'm gonna yep. break it down barn style i'm gonna give you the abcs and if i'm moving in a direction where you're with me you let me know i don't mean to insult you but i want to start at the basics so you understand where I'm coming from, and then I'm going to start dropping some serious knowledge on you. And I need you in sponge mode so you can absorb this. Exactly. And this is only going to help you. So, like, yeah, that mentality is going to help so much, and that that's something that I strive to do, too. When I get to talk with somebody that's extremely knowledgeable, it's like I go into sponge mode. It's like I'm just... I just want to listen to you talk. I want to hear everything you got to say, right. and I want to see where it applies and what I, what I can take, you know, and do differently or, yep. you know, just do because I've never even thought of that. Man, it's it's such a cool thing. So, like, my podcast episodes with Aaron or Brennan or Doug or Elijah even, or Stephen, because Stephen knows a lot about turkey hunting also. What mm-hmm. I, Like, a lot of times that, that whole entire episode is just them talking and me asking follow-up questions every now and again because I'm, like, so caught up in listening to them. I'm like, huh. And I think that's what kind of makes me separate from a lot of different shows out there is because I don't know a whole lot about everything in this entire yeah. industry hell I didn't even know you are supposed to cut your arrows down until like a <laughs> month and a half two years two months ago so like I think that's what makes my show more genuine uh, other than like my hopefully my passion will. comes out in it but like I think that's what sets me apart and I'm not trying to be yeah. arrogant or brag like I honestly think that's what sets me apart because I've listened to no. a lot of podcasts humble, humble and it's like they always have these set scripts they have these set scripts that they've done their research mm-hmm. to, you know, i got a follow-up question I've already written out for this question I'm going to yeah. ask because I know what he's going to say because I know the answer. No, it, it, it's it like, lacks that genuine, that authenticness, you know right. what I mean, to where, like, me and you are having a conversation. Sometimes I feel like I might jump in and over-talk you, but... No, you're doing you good. come up with the script. No, you know, no. we didn't write this out. Right. We're, we're just, we're going to roll, like this as the conversation between, you know, two good buddies talking about something we're passionate about, and I love that. Right, like if we were sitting over a fire drinking a beer, it's the same conversation. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I kind of go for. Like, when I first started out, I would say it during the episode, now I feel like I don't have to, because yeah, I feel like I just roll with it, and people get the vibe from that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I used to mention it, like, I'm trying to be like the Joe Rogan of deer hunting. I'm not trying to, like, be big and, you know, get this and that guest on here. 
I'm sure. trying to gen- make it a chill environment to where we can have a conversation mm-hmm. about things we find passionate and learn a few things while we're doing it. Because I think yeah. that's that that's the episodes I like at Joe Rogan's when it's. Oh, you know, yeah. I do like his episodes with Joey Diaz and you know the other comedians <laughs> when they're cutting up pretty good. That that stuff's very oh, funny. Yeah. But when he has someone on there that I that's teaching him something that I find interesting. Yeah, Stephen Miller, Cameron Haynes, or something, yeah. especially with hunting, you know, in yeah. mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm all ears on those ones. It's like, talk to me. I'm listening. I know this is three hours, but I got to take this in. Right, and a lot of times I'll listen to him twice because I didn't get everything the first time. Mm-hmm. I will say this: I think Steve Ranella's Meat Eater podcast is a bit dry. Like I almost fell asleep driving to it, but I love his show. I, I honestly have never, I've never listened to his podcast. I love his show, and I love hearing him in segments because he's super educated and super knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And he used to, you know, be from. I think he was from Michigan. He is, yeah, Western you know? Michigan, so right up against he, the lake. I think. Yeah, so that's it's another you know claim that we get to stake here in Michigan. We have Ted Nugent, Fred Bear, and. You know, Steve Yeah, you guys got some good ones from up there. <laughs> Ohio ain't got much in the way of that. I mean, we got Clint you Casper. Guys got some big old deer. I'll tell you that though. Oh. I've seen some absolute monster pictures that were, you know, labeled Ohio monster. I'm like, Jesus, there yeah. we go again. My deer that I shot last year. Now his horns were big, everything, but forget the horns at this point. So mm-hmm. when I hung him up to skin him out, and granted, it was my first time ever doing a sca- uh, cape skin because it was the first mount I ever did. My first buck was a little uh, seven point. Did not worry about okay. mounting him at all. I'm going to mount him later down the road at European mount, but didn't worry about it. So I've never done mm-hmm. this before. And when I hang him up, his head's in the air, feet on the ground. He's 12 feet. Right around Big there. Big Big. I mean, I think he was about five and a half, five years old. So this is there. 200 plus dressed, right? When he was dressed, he was about 220. Jesus. I still got meat from him last year. That's an absolute giant. He was a pig, and I got him in October, so it was like no rut stink to him, hardly no fat to him yet. Wow. Yeah, it was like early October. uh, What was it? October 4th, so it was like two weeks into the season I smoked him. And I was like, golly, man, like this is a pig. And like the bucks I have on camera this year, they're not monster horned animals like he was or the 12 point that I don't have back on film yet. Uh-huh. Their bodies are just as big. And I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, I love Ohio. So you think, you think <laughs> it might just be the genetics in that area or the, oh, the yeah. feed or what? Oh yeah, like there's a picture of a buck. I haven't gotten real good picture of his, his body yet, but I got a close up of him and his rack looks like a younger version of the deer I killed last year. Now there's a isn't that, isn't that crazy when you can tell the offspring of some of those deer? I got oh, a spike yeah. that's running around, and he is the carbon copy of his father from last year. This really? thing spikes were probably ten inches tall, and they curved so much inside that they almost touched. He had like this perfect egg shape above his head with his antlers. Oh, so man. now I'm watching him walk around this year. He split into like a really high five, and that's why I, I named him High Five. He's, <laughs> really cool looking he's lopsided three on one side two on the other looks like he's got some junk on the base i'll tell when i see it with the velvet off um but there's another spike running around swear to god carbon copy of that deer and i've got footage of high five last year and it's like there's no way this isn't his offspring like that's his deer that stuff is so awesome like that yeah this deer i don't know what his body looks like yet um the pictures I have of deer that I think might be him away from the camera to see his body, they're a little blurry in the nighttime pictures. Mm-hmm. But there's 
a really nice probably 130s class maybe maybe a 140s eight wow. point very symmetrical pig of a deer like his body is massive like ginormous <laughs> and then the deer i'm really hoping to get now he he might be a little bit of a younger deer might be three years old might be mm-hmm. three and a half and i've already made a decision that he walks in front of me i'm hitting it. i'm smoking him if i can because he he's got my heart jumping just from pictures and i yeah. i just think he looks very cool and he's got a yeah. really nice body to him as well like he he's very wide you got a name for him not yet. I cannot. I can't, Not yet. I can't decide on. Maybe you can help me. Um, so on my inst- my grindstone Instagram page, the most recent trail camera pictures I posted, like four or five of them. He's the okay. very wide eight point with the like the brow tine comes up and it's like a very very tiny crab claw split at the top of it. Okay. And All right. I, yeah, I'll give it a look. I don't know what kind of name for him. I don't know what I want to call him yet because I named my buck I killed last year after I killed him. I named him Bittersweet because okay. it, well, it should be sweet, bitter, but it doesn't sound as good. But uh, So I killed him. It was awesome. It was sweet. And then, like, a couple days later, I had a personal problem in my life that, like, really shook me for a loop for months on end, and that's the bitter okay. part of it. So I was like, all right, bittersweet, because now when I think of that deer, two days later, I'm yeah, always going to think about that, that other memory thing. attached to it. Right. But it's still yeah, a great memory, and, like, I think... It might have been Doug. Doug said he liked that name. Or it might have been yeah, Chris. Cool. I don't remember. But uh, there was a deer I kn- I named the year before. And my dad jinxed me. I- I'm almost <clears throat> positive. He's like, because I showed him a picture of this deer. Had his nose right up in the lens. Like f- six different pictures of him just nosing the camera. <laughs> and I was like, you know what I named him? My dad's like, what? I said, nosy. And my a dad, nosy? I was going to say nosy or nose job. Like, you got you to go with that. Right. And my dad goes, well, now you named him. So, well, yeah. <laughs> All the big shows name their deer. And he's like, well, yeah. what happens when you're small time like us and you name a deer? They disappear. I was like, oh, that's not yeah. going to happen. Never got another picture oh. of him. Never got another Both picture. of mine that I'm looking at in my area, and I wouldn't put neither one of these deer, probably three and a half at, at best. Um, but for this area where I'm at, like I described it to you, such a small area, it's uh-huh. literally a pinch point. I think this is a travel corridor. A couple deer get hung up. It's safe. You know, they're surrounded by the right things where they're not pressured. Um, but luckily enough, I've got these two that come in. They've got to be brothers. The, the genetics are so strong, they look like twins. Mm-hmm. The only way I tell them apart is their, their brow tines. The, one of them goes slightly inward, so I call them inside job. And the other one's perfect, straight up, eight point. So he's straight up. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen either one of these deer for the last month. And I'm like, I got those in the area. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to freak out. But I want one of these deer to walk by so bad because the cameras, every time I see them, I'm like, oh, my God, there he is. There's inside job. That's straight up. Yep. The kids are getting excited about it. The wife recognizes them. You know, and I'm like, if one of these comes through, or both, like, if I could take these brothers and put them up on the wall like that, that would be the ultimate year for me. But oh, those yeah. are three-and-a-half-year-old deer. I'm not talking five, six. 10 12 point like monsters but that that's what i got in my area yeah that's there's nothing like it like we're we're gonna have to wrap up here i didn't even notice what time it was but uh there's nothing like it you know not just like you know that feeling when you put your hands on his horns or the doe's ears for the first time after you you Mm -hmm. kill him there's nothing like the entire process start to finish yeah. you know you go out in the middle of 
whatever month you want to go out and start work on. Some people have different preferences. I'd like to get out all year round to do stuff for Mine my starts season. the second the season ends. I'm immediately putting out right. mineral licks or, you know, mineral for the deer. Right. And then trail cameras, I'm watching through the winter. I want to see the antlers drop off. Yep. I want to see them herd up. I'm getting a count. I want to see if I can identify, like, watching their coach change. Like, yes. all of it. It's 100%. all cool, man. And like, like you said, you're learning something every time you look at one of those videos. And, like... I, I love the process and mm-hmm. to take it back to a little bit to that chess comment earlier you know and I don't know how many of my buddies actually understand the concept of it but like I truly 100% believe in this if you want to play chess and win with a deer you cannot look at trail camp pictures and go oh I gotta throw those doe pictures away no they will give you a lot of information and you can't oh, just yeah. look at a buck picture and be like oh cool buck you need to look at you got to break it down, okay? Cool, you got a buck yeah. on camera. Which buck is he? Which way did he come into frame? Which way did he leave? Mm-hmm. How long did he stay? What time was he there? What was the moon like? What was the weather like? What was the rain or the wind like? Yeah. And just start building a pattern. And, like, mm-hmm. it's very hard for a lot of people I know to do that. Like, I've got that, that wide buck. I've got him... I've got his wind direction down. Let's put it that way. He's been mm-hmm. on camera three different times. Once, yeah. twice at night, uh, or twice on once in broad daylight, once early morning, and then once in the middle of the night. So I'm like, all okay. right. So I don't have a, uh, I don't have a time on him yet. So I'm, that's what I'm sure. hoping tomorrow brings. What's, what's coming in before him? Is is there a consistent doe he, that's coming no, in that he's already got an eye on? He's rolling on his own. Really? Yeah, he's like you said, there's own. certain people that'll just totally dismiss the doe pictures. For me, that's all I'm counting on. I'm right. watching these does come in on a very, very regular basis, mm-hmm. and I know it's only going to take that switch where they go into estrus and these these bucks pick them up. If I'm seeing does, I'm going to see these bucks. They're coming because that's all they're worried about. And what are we doing? We're banking on them making a mistake mm-hmm. because they're focused on those does. Right. So to ignore the does, I think you're missing half the equation. Oh, you, you have are. To, you oh, yeah. have to absolutely take that into consideration. What does are there? Are they consistent? And which ones are the bucks paying attention to early season? Because those are probably the ones they're going to tend to and claim later. Oh, yeah. Like if I really wanted to, opening day I could smoke a two-point buck. He's got one side, he's got yep. two points coming off, and the other side, he's got a drop. It's like a club. It didn't grow correctly. He got hurt or bot fly or something happened. He's very young. He's probably his first rack. Yeah. And I named him One Horn Willie. He is consistently <laughs> with does in the evening every night. Mm-hmm. Every single night, he's with does in the evening, and he's in front of my blind at 20 yards. I've seen mm-hmm. him in person when uh, I watched a bobcat take a groundhog for dinner at night i watched i heard that story that was that's i want to find that video i want to see that (laughs) Uh, it's it's on the instagram also it's also on my facebook okay but yeah like like that's that whole time like i i remember just seeing him watching from afar and then him getting closer to my blind and getting closer to my blind and then all of a sudden he was 35 yards in front of my blind and i'm like Man, if I was really about it, you'd be dead. But, that little deer could be doing you a favor later. Oh, yeah. Why he's taking on these does and he's sticking close to them. What's going to happen when that mature dominant buck comes in the area? First thing he's going to do is target that buck and chase and run him off. off. Exactly. Because he wants those does. Those are my girls. You're not touching them. Exactly. That's going to be his mentality. So if you pattern that small buck along with the does, then you're already there. 
You're right. just waiting for them bucks to, you know, give up conserving calories and risk coming out and cover and make that mistake and mm-hmm. tend to one of those does or fight off one of those small bucks. Man, I'd be happy I'm seeing that guy. I'm seeing that high five and that, that tall spike. Same thing every day they travel together. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, waiting because since they're super consistent, I'm like, there's no way you're going to be the one taking these does right here. There's going to be another buck that moves in here and he's like, get the hell out of here. Right. Like, I, I, if I wanted to, I, I, one horn Willie would be history. But I actually like him a lot. Like, I like watching him. He acts like a doe and stuff. Like, because I think <laughs> the other bucks, like, because, you know, bachelor groups all summer long rolling together. Yeah. He wasn't a part of it. I think he got mm-hmm. kicked out of the bachelor group because of his his deficiency in his horn or mm-hmm. whatever happened to him. I think he got kicked out early, so that's why he rolls so heavily with does. Like, I'm not saying he's with, like, one or two does. He's with, like, six, seven does consistently. Yeah. And he's very cool to, like, look at, too. Like, because, you know, when you, you see something like that on a deer, you're like, oh, that sucks. Well, it's but you also, it's like, you're sitting there, like, on you're... you're, you're binoculars are straight to your eyes you're sitting there like mm-hmm. i don't want a better look like what does it look like how is it broken or is it just like a fat sack yeah. of pus or what you know you want to know more about it so like whenever sure. he comes in front of me i'm like curious i'm like probably moving around more than i should be but i'm like looking at him like i want to turn your head the other way dude like i, I gotta see mm-hmm. this <laughs> but it, he's a very cool buck uh like i want to see what he does next year um sure if not i have an idea of whose offspring he is because that deer only had one horn or one side of horns in my trail camera three years ago. Ah, so it might be a genetic, not an injury. Yeah, and if that's the case, I will definitely shoot him before the rut next year. I will sure. eat a. I, I, I will the eat big a doe I'm that. looking at, the big doe that I'm targeting, hopefully this weekend, um, she's got a really bad limp on her one side, and I'm, I'm, I'm positive now that it's a genetic defect. I think she got a short tendon on the back leg. Because last year she had three fawns, two of them picked up that limp. One of them this year has it, oh, and geez. she's limping bad. And I'm like, this is an easy target for these coyotes. This deer is going to go in a bad way. She's very old. She's got to be. I don't want to put a number on. It's hard to age does, but you can tell faces long, necks long, body square, rectangle. She looks like a freaking fridge with legs. <laughs> and uh, so she's my target. But she's got a multicolored coat right now. She got a dark top gold brown bottom so when i post that picture this weekend fingers crossed and you see that this is the doe i'm looking at and that's the reason why sure she's got fawns you know all breeding age deer are gonna have fawns and i know some people are partial to like oh you can't shoot a doe that dropped fawns by the time season comes around right those fawns are capable to take up on their own if they're right. not they're absorbed into another group they're fine that's exactly so I don't, what I, I was about to say. I'm taking a deer, but I'm targeting her specifically because of that injury, because of that genetic defect that she could potentially pass on more and make these deer just easy targets for coyotes. And then we all know how that death goes. Right, right. You know, I'm, 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 it's a mercy kill that I'm doing by, you know, a nice clean shot with an arrow compared to what one of those coyotes would do. Yeah, eat half of it and let her suffer for a week and then bleed out and uh, die and rot somewhere. That's terrible. Terrible but, to think about. That That's a... Uh, I think that's a good place to stop until you know what, because I'm gonna try and get you back on here in the future. Maybe do like man, a season I update. I wanted, this, I wanted to share some stories and stuff, but man, I was yeah, just I know. I, conversation. I was very curious about asking you more and more about your stories and stuff, but we just got rolling into the ethical hunts and stuff like that, which is great. Good conversations yeah. to have, but you know what? It's also great because it means we get to bring you back on again in the future. Well, let's do it, man. You uh, let me know, man, and uh, hopefully we, you know, 
couple weeks into this season, maybe we got a couple new stories to add to it. Right, right. Do a season check-in and be like, hey, how's it going for you? What what have you seen that's confusing you that you need to bounce an idea off? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that. But, uh, yeah, I love it. you know, hopefully I see some pictures this weekend and in a few months maybe see some film because I think what I'm going to do, whatever film I take this season, I'm not going to do any editing until the end of the year after yeah. the season because it, it, I'm still overwhelmed with turkey footage, so... Yeah, but, I, I'm the same, and I didn't even get a turkey, and I haven't put out my video yet because I don't know what to add and what not. But it's very yeah. challenging. It's very challenging, it but it's a good challenge. I love doing it. But yeah. uh, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on here. You know, I love trying to meet new people in this community and grow friendships and build friendships, and you know, meeting like-minded people. It, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a blessing. I I love doing this, and I I yeah, appreciate everybody that comes I on. But uh, I like I said, I appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, hopefully, you know, I'm not keeping you up too late. Those kiddos will probably wake you up early. <laughs> That's all right. We got it. But uh, I appreciate it, man. All right, Zach. Thank you so much, man. I love what you're doing, and I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and having me on. It is a pleasure, man. Yeah, no uh, problem, dude. I appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Sorry, yeah, have a good one. Yep, you too. Bye. All right, bye. All righty. That was... Not the way that me and him were obviously planning on taking that podcast, but uh, we also talked yesterday and we're like, whatever we roll into, we roll into, we can probably work it out. So um, that episode, this this episode is completely fine with me. I I love talking ethics and stuff like that about hunting and what we've learned and whatnot. Um, Next time we will get into some stories and stuff because I'm very curious about some of the stories since he's almost 40. I'm sure he's got plenty of plenty of hunting stories good bad ugly whatever it is so I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing him back on here i'm looking forward to getting uh chris wheeler back on here uh the 605 outdoors i touched base with them today they're still out there chasing some muleys and some whitetails um his uh his, his grandpa whew, man that was a big deer they got a big old muley down beats the state record by 40 inches uh unofficially at the moment so big old deer over there congrats to those guys um you know he did get his buck i posted on instagram so uh shout out to him looking forward to seeing some big things from him the rest of the season um i know they got that bear hunt in west virginia so looking forward to that hearing from him about it um you know working class is getting ready to roll into their season uh good luck to those guys shout out to them clint's I don't know, he might still be wandering in the mountains of Colorado after some elk. So shout out Clint Casper. Um, my buddy Lane and his brother just got back from elk hunting in Colorado. So can't wait to hear that. I'm going to try and convince him to get on the podcast because Lane, Lane did the first episode that we ever did. But he's very hesitant to do another one. His brother's hesitant to get on here as well. But uh, I'm going to try and get him on here and so we can get elk hunting recap. Um so uh we are doing good on episodes right now i am doing good on getting things done and out of the way early so i can get out there and get hunting done um but uh now man like this is awesome i love it so you know with that being said it is 9:35. i gotta get before 45 so i need to get in there and get to bed but uh you know like i always say get out there and live your life do your thing man go enjoy what you like to do um, have no zero days, dude. Just don't get up, get up and get after it. Whether you know you get up and you go for a walk, that's it. That's all you do for the day. You did something productive. You did all right. Don't 
don't beat yourself up too hard. Um, you know, you, you got up, you took care of your children for the day. You did good. You know, no zero days. Whatever that, that no zero day may look like for you individually as a person, get up, get after it. You know, have a good day. Happiness is a choice, so, you know, live your life, have fun, do what you love to do. And with that, this is Grindstone Adventures. I'm your host, Zach Fear, and this is episode 26. Out.